You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns. Jeff Lloyd, as your host always, guys, you're continuing daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, guys, everything, you know, I appreciate all the feedback. Uh, you know, always have a gra- uh, blast with Stephen Thomas. And it's it's good this time of year that actually he's going to be able to be more available to do this type of stuff. A number one, Stephen's just cool to talk with. A number two, he enjoys the draft. And, and he told you himself, it's like a sicko. And, he's you know, I mean, we'll be on to the 20 draft, you know, probably somewhere by mid-wit, mid-May. Um, so, uh, you know, appreciate and love the feedback. You know, we'll have a lot of fun here as we get through these next two months. Um, we're going to continue now with combine coverage. Pete Smith is back for this. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Um, we're going to do the offensive lineman, and, you know, Pete jabbed at me. I was like, ah, we'll get to that. And, you know, that we will put it out, you know, right before, you know, before, you know, so you can listen to it before Friday. And, you know, I threw in my offensive line jabs, and Pete wasn't thrilled with it. Yes, I would be the prima donna wide receiver in the room. Whatever, so be it. Um, so I gave Pete the option. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he chose linebackers. Um, I don't, and I agree with Pete here, and we're going to probably get into this a little bit, is the reason linebackers shouldn't be valued so high is you're kind of almost looking for guys who are going to be 50% players. Going to play first and 10, second and 9, or are they going to be on the field for second and 9, and third and greater than 5? Um, so, you know, how do you value these types of guys? I mean, there's only so many, and you even think about it, you look at where, you know, uh, uh, Leonard from the Colts got drafted last year, um, you know, maybe it was because of, partly because he was a small school player, but guy just knows how to read, react, and make tackles, and look where the Colts got him, and they've got themselves a stalwart there, and they're going to have to pay him nothing, you know, for three, you know another three seasons, so just, you know, the linebacker position, it varies. It really does. And it, I, a lot of it would come down to how much you value a guy like Devin White or you have questions. But it's you should be able to find value with this position anywhere we go. Um, Pete, first off, Pete, what's going on? Uh, you know, how's the iron doing? Everybody needs to know. Uh, they're doing all right. I mean, they, uh, they're they not playing particularly well against this 0-2 Atlanta Legends. I think the AAF has like four purple teams in it, which is – Enough already, uh, but the stalwart. <laughs> or maybe is, at this point, you know, financially they're just sharing jerseys, Pete. That could be part of it too. Certainly possible. <laughs> although you know they got that fat investment, which you know if you're calling 250 million in investment in a this type of league, you're not investing, you're buying it. So uh, we shall see. And um, big news, obviously. Uh, finally, uh, Mike Singletary decided that maybe uh, Zach Mettenberg can actually throw the ball. Whereas Christian Hackenberg, I mean, I don't know. I'll be honest with you guys. I've never been a happy, happy Valley, Pennsylvania, but maybe romance is in the air because nobody in the world, but Mike McCagnan went out there for almost 65 plus hours and fell in love with a guy who just cannot throw a football in what way whatsoever. I was actually joking with people before we hit the record button. He might not be the starting quarterback or the steady quarterback in his own family's Thanksgiving Day game, but yet here it is, everybody. Well, it looks really pretty while he does it. He throws a hell of a ball when he's not looking at what the defense is doing at all. Not even like, <laughs> not even like a consideration. It's just my guess is maybe he threw up, a, or he threw up in a back, or he grew up in a backyard and was just throwing the ball to trees. Like, nobody ever graduated to him. Like, maybe somebody ran in front of the tree and tried to deflect it. 
but I mean, eh, but you know, and, and as the jokes continue to go, I mean, it's it's to good, you know, look good while doing it, and I guess you'll keep getting shots. Uh, I don't know where he goes from here, but who knows? Um, we're gonna get into linebackers though, guys. Um, like I said, uh, this is where Pete wanted to hit first. Pete, I guess if you look at it, and if there's any two linebackers that could go in the top 32 picks, it's two guys. Um, one, I'm sure we're going to hear height concerns. Meanwhile, Roquan Smith went very early last year and was a, you know, while being a lot more productive, um, was, you know, a, a little bit undersized, but was able to get side on the sideline and make every play. Um, then there's Devin White, who's, you know, everything you're looking for, um, you know, there is some off-field you would look into. Um, but, you know, running back convert, uh, is he a product of, you know, playing in front of good defensive players where he can just run athletically, but that sometimes there's angles, issues. But Devin White and obviously Devin Bush Jr., uh, these would be, if any two linebackers are going to go first round, Pete, it's going to be these two. First round, I should say. Right. Uh, you know, Devin White is a very good player. Uh, I just don't think, you know, that he's he's Roquan Smith. And, and at that point, you have to ask yourself, you know, what are you paying for at that point? Like, he's a very good player. Is he going to be, you know, that elite-type linebacker that you expect to? And that's, you know, that's where it becomes problematic in, in terms of valuation and that linebacker is a position, you know, not as dramatically as maybe receiver, not as dramatically as running back, where you, but you can find them all over the map. So... If you're not getting what you, you know you believe is a superstar, a Roquan Smith, a C.J. Mosley, like those type of guys, then it becomes sort of confusing to me, you know, and why I don't, why I'm not interested in really rushing out. It better be a special, special player. And then Devin Bush is going to be interesting because he's not doesn't have ideal production. He was outproduced by about five other linebackers just in the Big Ten who are going to be in this draft class, but. You know, and and, the- and this is one though, okay, and I just want to say this because, like, you know, we use these numbers, but you guys think we stick to them, and I, I know I kind of know where Pete is, and Pete knows where I am. This is one where I don't think the market share. I'm gonna go. I, I, I'm gonna view it, but I'm gonna kind of ignore it, so to speak. Where I think Devin Bush is good, and this is one guy that could be an anomaly to the numbers. Well, the the other part of that is is you know if, if that's the case, he's got to be great at the combine. Like the, you know whether it's pro day, the combine, whatever, he has to be great. Like you don't get to be, you know, an average athlete uh, and, and be the type of linebacker. You better that see short pushes. area quickness and a lot of it. Right, and it doesn't mean he has to run like a four four, though it help. Uh, but you know you're talking agility, short area quickness, like those things where. You know that, that look fast. Like Joe Schobert ran a four seven. He does not play like a four seven guy. He played. He, he had extremely good short area quickness, and you see a guy with a lot of speed on the field. Um, that's where it's going to become key, and he's got to look fluid in drills and those type of things. So it's a big week for him. Uh, you know, but but that's the thing it is is when you don't have that production mark that you everybody wants it doesn't have that elite production you don't have what it does is it, it gives you when you have that it gives you a little room for error he doesn't have that room for error so he's got to be great as an athlete um 
and and I think he will be. But that's you know it, he's got to be great, or he's you know then he then then we're not talking about him as a possible you know twenty to thirty two guy. We're talking about as a maybe a fifty type guy. So we'll see where he plays out. But that's he certainly has a skill set that you know you, you talk about the. The way the NFL is going and being able to cover ground and those things, <clears throat> there's no question that that he fits, you know, that type of wide open game, and that could be where, you know, he becomes a really really attractive player. For me, Bush, um, I, you know, obviously part of it is you know the son of a player mentality, which I always love. I, I love the guy, Pete. You know this. I always love the guys that will run their mouths. We talked about this a lot. So he does appeal to me, but also though, if you look at it from the Browns' lens, this would be a guy that would take almost the majority of your reps reps at the linebacker position, and there would be a lot of third quarter and fourth quarter chasing down running backs. So I think the production would be better because I think this is a guy who's not going to come off the field. And when you look at it at the end of the day, you know, in with the way the league is trending, it's high scoring. Obviously, you know, in a thirty-eight. 28 game he ends up with 10 to 11 tackles and you know six to seven of them come in the second half Devin White and this is the issue I have Brown wise is with with Bush being you know the son of a player the son of a coach and and very film oriented I don't know if either one of these guys are coming here and playing Mike right away they're most likely not so Devin White it's you know and now they're setting the edge and you know basically giving yourself up for the team Whereas Devin White just kind of ran around, did things athletically, and that's where for me, you know, I you know, look if he, if he's one of the names at seventeen, I'm probably looking somewhere else just because he's going to be asked to play a different position. Here he was a five star recruiter, a running back going to LSU. You know, Bush maybe seventeen is high, and I could understand that. But if you told me I could have one of the two, and we were okay with the price, I'd want Devin Bush. Well, and of the two, you know. I, I think Devin Bush has a more natural transition to Will, and that becomes. And, I, I and think re- a little Derek Brooks, you know, something where he'd be familiar with. And I, and I, I know his dad. I know Derek Brooks is a guy he watched as a linebacker because his dad was a safety. It, it, it seems to make an easy, seamless transition. I I, I don't think there's a. I, I think there's a a world that exists where you could conceivably get to a point where you have somebody who's so good at Mike Backer that Joe Schobert becomes the will. But more likely, way more likely, we're finding somebody who's going to be Joe Schobert's running mate at that will position, and ultimately yeah. is going to replace Chris Kirksey. And 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 in terms of what that player's asked to do. Yeah, there, there's some run responsibility stuff, but it's going to be coverage. It's going to be a lot of covering open ground because you don't have, you know, typically you don't have, you know, one more player over there uh, to help you out. You're generally on an, a little bit of an island and, and teams can, you know, sort of scheme to exploit that. And as a result, a guy like Devin Bush may be a substantially better fit for that type of game. And whether it's, you know, with Steve Wilkes, uh, you know, your interview with Schobert talking about watching the Carolina tape, there's certainly some significant value there. Now, I, I, I think short of injury, you're going to be running Chris Kirksey out there one more year. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, they get a guy like a Devin Bush at, like, Let's say they trade up from forty nine, and and he sit like he he makes it to day two, and like they 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 move it to like let's say thirty fifth pick or whatever, and they grab this guy. Like you know, I, 
maybe he, he they they let him take that job from Kirksey, but chances are it could be like an Austin Corbett situation where he's utilized in small stretches, but it's not going to be like you know get in there, young man. You two are the the, the backers of this team. I I, I do think there's going to be the, that little bit of a a wait year to get get Grace that period. guy on the field. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, that's also where, you know, and this is the biggest thing with, um, and I brought up last night when we were talking with Steve, is Gennard Avery. Um, look, we'll know eventually what they're viewing him as, but right now he's a wild card because he could factor in either way. Um, but, you know, I look at Wilkes' defense with three first-round picks in Carolina, and that's what he loved. And, you know, I mean, so it makes me wonder that it's not something they're going to address here somehow, some way, and hit it pretty hard, you know, and... Look, it could be free agency, but Devin Bush seems like a guy who would fit. Um, guys, whether it is on Instagram, whether it's on Twitter, the Lockdown NFL Network, ha- you know, has their social media presence there as well. Um, they co- uh, they funnel everything through every every account, like me, all the thirty two teams uh, team specific show hosts, the draft show hosts, the fantasy hosts, uh, Matt Williamson's Lockdown NFL Network. So Lockdown NFL Net, Twitter, Instagram, uh, check them out, guys. If you're not following over there, please go ahead and take care of that for me now. Pete, I think the biggest thing is is kind of setting a pecking order between what we feel are the, the top two, then day two, day three. But I think, I don't know if there's much of a difference. I mean, it's maybe your flavor. It's going to, obviously, you know, we're going to know a lot more after next Sunday with these guys. Um, first off, it is a large group at the linebacker position going to Indianapolis. One of the things that aggravates me is they could not find an open spot for a guy like Khalil Hodge out of... Uh, Buffalo and like if I could do like a you know just like do a waiver and say can I just draft him now then fifth round if he wasn't good enough to come to the combine take him but it's an interesting group here and look obviously now if we're going to talk day two we're talking you know forty nine and obviously you know the two uh, eighty um, you know ninety I guess ninety five ninety six whatever it is a couple names here that would be this spot but uh, I'm with you though and we're going to get to day three the day three is where the fun kind of gets started with these guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's going to be talk about Mac Wilson and, and Trey Lamar and, and Voshan Joseph. Trey Lamar got pulled from the national championship game this year. Right, I don't. He, he got pulled. He's from one it. of those where I don't get it, and it's the same with the Trayvon, uh, the corner. What's his face? Uh, doesn't even matter. He's Trayvon didn't. Mullen. Trayvon. Trayvon Mullen. Mullen, who had as many pass deflections as Cleveland Farrell. That's not what you want. Uh, those guys, to me, do not have any kind of production and that scares you because i you know people talk about well what's the scheme asking him to do on some level bottom line go you're get gonna the- make something you, you, you're gonna do something you're not just gonna just be out there and it's you know and especially on defensively on the defensive side of the ball athleticism is fantastic but you gotta you know, like people will gamble offensively like a wide receiver on late day three but if you haven't done anything, and this is where we kind of all kind of screwed up on Desmond King, is the guy name I keep bringing up is we all kind of nickeled and dimed him, and but you want to know what turned to a solid player, and he got nickel and dime to I guess it was round five, I guess. But you know you've got to be able to do things on defense, even though you're athletic. Well, it's you know you play defense at some point you got to tackle somebody. It's, <laughs> I mean, there's no there's no getting away from it. So that's, going that's what I'm looking for. You. <laughs> so. For me, that becomes guys like T.J. Edwards, whose production was outstanding. Jermaine Pratt from NC State. Yep. Uh, you know, T.J. Edwards from Wisconsin. Joe Schobert's former teammate. 
Uh, and then a guy who's obviously gaining a bunch of steam lately, uh, David Long Jr. from West Virginia, who has a ton of tackles. And, you know, if, again, if you're looking for a running mate type guy, David Long is, is, is you know, sort of a natural will. He's almost in that sort of like the, the guy that sort of comes to mind when you watch him is Shaq Thompson and that. Yep. He's light Size-wise. enough, fast enough, where you see him running around, and you can sort of envision him being that, that type of that that spur type. Uh, certainly, Shaq Thompson was like the, you know, the realization of, realization of all the hopes and dreams with that. Where you, you know, a guy that, you know, two twenty, maybe flirting with two thirty, who can do things that, like a safety and like a linebacker. Like those are the guys that become interesting to me on day two day or on that day two area. Um, well, here's the one, and he's been the popular name lately, is um, out of uh, you know, uh, New Mexico State, Tyrell Hanks. You got to see him a little bit, Pete. Uh, the guy can move, but day two, too early? He's athletic as hell. I mean, he's going to, uh, you know, I would be stunned if he didn't have an outstanding combine. But whether it was at the Senior Bowl and then going back to look at his tape, He's raw. Like, you can see how raw he is, and that's why his production is is what it is. Like, and granted, they ask him to do all kinds of stuff uh, on that defense, but he was never, like, the dude there. They had a safety who, who was far more responsible for, for making plays and stuff like that. So, I, you know, there's a world where Terrell, Terrell Hanks can be really good, but I, I could also see him uh, end up being, like, a guy like, uh, KPL, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who, you know, draft Twitter and, and that segment of, you know, the draft community absolutely loved this guy. He goes uh, – and it didn't start till the combine really with him. He he put up a ridiculous 40, tested his ass off, and then, you know, people built this guy up into something. And at that time, you know, he's coming out of Boston College – and he was really athletic, but he didn't really do anything. And that's my fear with a guy like Terrell Hanks is he's going to test his ass off and then you're going to get him. He's going to look really good and then not really give you anything and, and you know, ultimately become sort of a bit player, which is what happened to KPL, who is most recently, you know, had uh, was released by your uh, former New York Jets. Um. Well, you know, I mean. You know they're gonna go and just figure they're gonna do a 35 player roster overhaul this year, which I'm, I I don't know what the plan is. I don't, and you got a GM who's getting close to being the end of his line. Adam Gase, Pete, it's all interesting. It's very interesting. Um, but this is the thing. I mean, you know, if you're gonna figure, pick 97 and on, and this is where you know it's gonna get nuts because there's a lot here in this day three and there's question marks of you know injury pasts and things stuff of that but this is what you're looking for here and you know ideally you're going to rotate in you know three to five linebackers um whether it's uh base versus coverage or you know rundowns whatever you're going to do but the way the league is trending you want you know you want your three to four you want your pass rush you want your front and then you want as many athletic guys who can chase and cover and there's a lot of it here on day three, Pete. Um, I'll start with this one here. I'll throw you the bone here. Because it, it, it's a name that keeps coming up, whatever get, whatever guest comes on. But Blake Cashman, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, former walk-on uh, has had medical questions. I think he's had surgery on both shoulders. Uh, 
Um, and then he finally, you know, stayed healthy this year and he was an animal. Uh, I think he's raw, still figuring it out. Like a lot of the things he does don't look pretty, but he's just like a wrecking ball who runs around and, and makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I think he, he's going to, he, he put a lot in on testing. Um, you know, he's, he's one that actually opted to, to, uh, forego playing in, in, in the team's bowl game uh, to train. Uh, so, yeah, he, he could be interesting. But, like, it, my, my view on day three in general is, first, let's start with the fact that day three is where they got Joe Schobert. Day three, yep. quote-unquote linebacker, Jannard Avery. Um, you know, it, it's a position where, first, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of criticism lately about how the linebacker class isn't very good. I disagree. I just think it's where you're where you're purchasing from. To me, I think day three has a ton of good options that can be – guys who ultimately start like Khalil Hodge to me has a path where he could be a guy like Joe Schobert. Is that likely, you know, that he's going to be a pro bowler? I don't know, but he just does the things that you watched Joe Schobert do at Wisconsin. And, and, and he was productive and a three-year guy and all, you know, all these things. And if he tests well, you know, it, it, it becomes a question of what are you really doubting at that point? So, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of talented options, uh, and, and certainly Blake Cashman is among them. But the other part that's nice on day three is there's so many different flavors. It it's becomes like the wide receiver class, really. It, you know, you've got you know your share of you know old school in the box guard to guard read downhill Mike backers that are going to take on a block and, and deck people. You've also got some lighter guys that can can fly around and run, and, you, and you've got some guys who do a little bit of everything and, and maybe add some pass rush. So it really allows you to sort of find guys that, you, in this case, uh, fit what the Browns are going to run, and there's not a huge investment, so it's not the end of the world if you find you know guys that don't work. But the other part is this is probably where you're going to get most of your special teams reps from, uh, and, and having that's an advantage. And obviously that's something that Schobert – did continues to do i you know at this point you're starting to hope that like man find somebody who can take some of these reps for him because he's just he never comes off the field well i mean you need him mentally there and the thing with hodge is you know you don't accumulate over 100 tackles a year in college football for three years straight that's usually a very trans translatable trait it, it, it doesn't change it's just who he is and if it is a guy who comes in on day three and you know makes a lot of plays you know, uh, special teams advise as well, but I mean, that's that's what you got here. Um, one of the guys we talked about, Pete, and we've you know, me and you have talked about him a lot. Uh, Trayvon Cooney out of Notre Dame. Here's another guy that goes into this mix as well. Um, he's more you know the athleticism. I don't know if he's going to be this you know meet you in the hole type of guy, but run chase in what we're kind of preaching here, he fits. That, that's the thing is like all these people talk about him as a, a speed guy, and I think he could test well. But, uh, you know, I look at him as a guy who's going to bench press a fullback. Like, he's a just a mountain oh. of muscle. He's a he's a tank in there. Uh, I think he's – at least he was listed at, like, 245 at 6'1". Like, he's yep. he's a yoked-up dude. I, I do think when he gets ahead of steam, he looks good. But I'm more curious about, you know, and I, we'll, we'll see – get some of these answers with Pro Day and stuff. Is he really a sideline-to-sideline range guy? He's definitely a going-to-go-get-the-ball type of guy, but – 
uh, you know, this was a centerpiece on a very good Notre Dame defense, along with Jerry Tillery, along with Julian Love. And they, you know, that was the group that carried this team. It wasn't, you know, the offense. It was those guys on defense that, that made it happen. So, you know, Tavon Coney, definitely, I want to see what this guy can do because, you know, he, he he's not, first, I don't think he's a guy who's out of the question on day two. Uh, but, yeah, this is exactly the type of guy where you're sitting there in the fourth round or the fifth round and you're going, wow, this guy's still on the board. Go ahead and grab him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with it. Let's let's see what this guy does. All right, so we're different a little bit there. But, uh, look, I mean, we know the position needs to be hit. Um, then there is uh, at the University of Florida, uh, Florida, Vasan Joseph. He's interesting in Florida, you know, this year, obviously, you know, big turnaround. But the program on a whole kind of fell off, and I do like him somewhat, and I hate liking Gators. You guys know the way this works. But I, I do believe he, production-wise, he should test well. He'll be an interesting name. Day two, maybe not. Day three, if he's there, this is one maybe I'm going to pounce on, but there is always that Gennard Avery pink elephant in the room. Right. Um He's okay. I, I, you know, the, part of the question with him is, is what's he going to weigh? He was listed at least six one two twenty six. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, which is two fifteen. <laughs> yeah, which isn't the yeah. That's that's what you're worried about is that he's going to come in and be sub two twenty. Uh, yeah, if he's up at two thirty, you know, two twenty five, you're fine with that. It's just because it comes a question of how he's going to test. Production is not very good. Uh, Part of a defense that has a couple guys who are significantly better. Obviously, uh, Polite's going to be you know the headliner of this group, and yep. then and then Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you know, becomes an interesting guy who could potentially be a slot guy or a safety or a corner. Nickel, uh, sa- nickel safety as, and this is one thing we uh, we mentioned is you know there's going to be a lot more four to five looks in the NFL. I mean, if we're playing games into the forties get your best athletes on the field. And that's where he comes in. Right. And he, he's he's a guy, you know, I think at the very least, Joseph should test well. Um, you know, it, it, that, that... He better. What, he better. Right, right. That's the thing. But, I mean, I, I think a lot of ways he's basically like, if you're set on getting a guy like this and you're and you're going to say, well, we're, we're going to look past the production part of this, you're basically hoping that he's sort of a... He's Devin Bush at a more reasonable cost, or Devin Bush, but we couldn't get him, you know, where, where, earlier. Like this becomes the next guy in that range. I, I'm not sure that I, you know, I would be willing to bet that. In fact, I know I wouldn't. But a team may sit there and basically hope he's going to be, you know, a guy like Telvin Smith. I don't think it's there, but. Certainly, you know, it only takes one team to, to see it and think they can get it out of them. It always happens. Um, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, uh, always appreciated. Um, so go ahead, drop a five-star written review for me right now. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Pete, we're going to do a couple of just uh, simple questions here. Um, and I did this one last night. And we're going to do this with a bunch of draft guests here as we get closer and closer to April. Pretend Baker Mayfield doesn't exist. But the Browns do, and everything of this team is the same. But you can get the quarterback of this year that you want to fit with the rest of the pieces that are currently in place. Which guy are you taking? 
I'll take Haskins. I'll re-sign Tyler Tyrod Taylor and basically go stick <laughs> Haskins in a closet for for a year. He that's my you know I think Haskins is really really talented. I just terrified that he's going to be out on the field and the dude played like what fourteen games or whatever at Ohio State and you're going to get basically an even rawer Mitchell Trubisky even if he has more talent. It, it, See, but that's the be- thing though; it'll never happen. Because it just doesn't happen. I mean, because by the time you're out of it, they start clamoring. And usually the reason you're out of it is because your team's not good enough. And you send these kids out there. And, you know, and look, there's a lot of them. We'll see how it plays out. But it's it's feast or famine. But you're putting these guys out there with, you know, not what you hope your finished product is. Oh, there's no question. It's just, I you know, I, I don't. I think Kyler Murray's a phenomenally talented player. I can't get past the weight. I can't. I, I it's I just I look know. at him and I, and it I think he's going to get broken and you, you know it just comes down to math. Like all these people talk about, well, you know, big guys get injured too. That's fine. I understand, but if this dude's 190 pounds and I've got 300 pounders falling on him, it's only going to take so many times before something gives out. Like that I can't get past it. I, 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 the talent I can see is there. Uh, I worry about what happens when he's got a high ankle sprain and he's stuck in the pocket, and you can actually get a push up front. That that's a scary situation. No, and, and there's no doubting that with him. And it, it, it's and first off, watching him play is just ridiculous. I mean, he's got all the skills, but it, it, for me, I don't know if it's you know they say he's going to weigh two hundred five, which is. That's great, and I hope that's a it lot. Is. I, look, man, I don't know how you fit that much water in that dude, but go, Godspeed, because that's <laughs> what that's going to be. Oh, it definitely looks um, doesn't look comfortable as he was holding his Heisman yesterday at the Oklahoma basketball game. For me, in the height equates into it, and I wouldn't want to be the team that says this is our guy. But Pete, somebody's going to be the team. Who's going to be it? Who's going to be the Who's going to be the team that says you know what? We're gonna we're gonna play this ace two in the whole hand. We're gonna play it. If I have to, if I have to guess, I'll bet on Oakland because first and foremost, John Gruden can't stop toying with the idea that he's gonna that he's not committed to Derek Carr. Like I don't understand why you've got an opportunity to basically say, let's get everything settled. Three uh, first round picks, cap money out the yin yang. Let's play it with Derek Carr. That should be the appropriate approach, but this is John. But he I can't think, help himself. Well, that that's part of it. I also think he's looking at an offensive line and going, "I've got the guys that can protect him." Uh, spe- specifically, the interior, which is obviously what's going to be critical for a guy of his stature. But they took Colton Miller. Obviously, they're going to bet that he's going to be right, and they've still got Donald Penn at right tackle. I think that's a large part of where this is going to go. Uh, you know, if if Oakland doesn't take him, it becomes sort of a free for all. But after that, it becomes basically: Do I believe that Miami's going to take him? You know, I could see it. I just don't know how Brian Flores is going to be with that. So I'll say Oakland. It's interesting. And look, I mean, you know, John obviously is looking to put his stamp on all of this. Um, Flores, if they liked you know, up in New England, if they liked Baker Mayfield. Um, maybe whether or not it was the Lincoln Riley tutelage, or not, or it was the system they run. They thought it was NFL, you know, translatable. But it, it, there's no doubt. Uh, 
Now here's this. Does he is he the second quarterback drafted? Say that again. Is is Kyler Murray the second quarterback drafted? Uh no. I because I think the Broncos are going to do it. I think they're going to take Drew Locke and they're going <laughs> to they can't John Elway can't get out of his own way on that one. Uh, I I I think he's going to have the exact same, you know, conversation in his in his war room that I'm having with. I I just can't take a quarterback that small, uh, and I and I think part of it, you know, part of getting Flacco was this idea that it's going to be to help Drew Locke. They are similar. If Drew, look, the thing is, Drew's got to test his ass off if he's going to be anything like Joe Flacco has come out. Joe Flacco is a freak athlete, uh, but uh, you know that that super tall, big armed quarterback. I, I don't think they trade for Joe Flacco and then take Kyler Murray or you know that type of situation. And, and I, you know, I could see I can see a scenario. Obviously, we did the mock draft where. Uh, Haskins lasts that long. You know, all these people swear up and down that, you know, he's not even going to make it to the Giants, let alone be the Giants pick. So I'll say Kyler Murray is going to be the third pick because the Broncos will do it. They're going to do it. They may even trade up to do it. Okay, and uh, obviously we're going to continue with the defense this week. But, Pete, give me a name on offense and a uh, name on defense that you are most looking forward to this weekend and – and I, I let's put it this way: uh, your feelings of most approve. Well, I mean, the guy I'm most excited about is Ed Oliver. I mean, you know, he we haven't seen him, uh, and, and honestly, we didn't really see him this year because he's dealing with injuries. So, what is Ed Oliver going to look like? You know, how what's the weight going to be? Is he going to is is he going to live up to the you know, to the athleticism and certainly, you know, it's not a question of like, it's invented. You can see it. So yep. Now now it's a question of seeing it on tape or seeing it on, on, on the uh, stopwatch and those types of things. Uh, offensively, I, I'm certainly, you know, obviously I'm going to go, go TJ Hawkinson. I want to see, you know, he's got everything else. Production tape uh, looks good on tape in terms of athleticism. Does he have, you know, that franchise tight end, you know, speed and, and athleticism, or is he going to be more like a, you know, four, seven guy. And then, you know, make people have questions about what he can really do as far as most approved. Uh, it's Nick Bosa. I mean, you are, uh, it's not his fault. He got hurt. Uh, but previous to that, at least in terms of production, it, it didn't happen. And I, I, I get the arguments. Everybody talks about, rotation and, and he did this and this per snap i'm just telling you from a historical data point you know jim coburn's been on here before and i'm sure if he hasn't talked about it he will at some point it's not there it would be the least impressive first round pick first pick of the draft in some time in terms of production there's just a significant amount of risk in that if he's got to test well and he's been tr- training for this for you know basically four months at this point yep so he's, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to do this. And it's tough because the combine week is such a stressful week in terms of everything you're being put through and all that stuff. But, you know, obviously, you know, you've got to fall back in pro day. But even if, if, if let's say he, he rallies and has a great pro day, you know, it will still hurt him 
you know, whether contrived or not, you know, real or, or, or imagined in that month leading up to the pro day that, you know, he didn't test well at the combine, you know, is he really this good? And you get into all those conversations, Build, you know, the classic build him up to tear him down type situation. So he's, to me, he's got the most approved just because, you know, he didn't really play this year. He, I mean, don't get me wrong. In the games he was in, he was dominant. And you're projecting forward that uh, he's going to be dominant. you got to see it. I mean, and if it's not him, it's DK Metcalf. Like, those are the two guys, you know, these guys didn't play uh, a ton this year. You know, it, it, this is where it's got to happen. And with DK Metcalf, the thing is, it's like now, I mean, it's almost to the point in, uh, I think, Bet Online took down his, they had his 40 at 4.59 for the over-under. Uh, he better run better than a 4.59, which is probably what almost everybody betted. And that's why they took the bet down. Uh, and, the, I mean, I think Bosa, maybe it's not there, but I, DJ Metcalf better come in and put in one of the greatest combine performances ever. This is what these pictures of the swole have done to him. Um, but Hawkinson, Pete, you want four five five? Well, that'd be great. I mean, no, I, but I, I mean, love... what's the make or break number? I, I, as long as he's in the four sixes, we'll be fine. Uh, okay. You know, and but the, I should clarify, he can't come in way too, you know, under two forty and run four sixes. Yep, he's got to be at least mid two forties, and then if he's in the four sixes, he'll be fine. That's basically around. What what you got out of out of a guy like David Njoku, and it becomes a question of really more about agility than anything, uh, because I you know you you watch you watch him, you're not sitting there going you know T.J. Hawkinson's a guy who's got to uh, win down the seam for me. It, it, it's winning on those out routes, winning on those you know underneath plays where you can move the ball, uh, move the chains, and then being a great blocker. You don't need to be necessarily a blazer. In fact, it might almost benefit the Browns that he's not because then he might go that that much higher. But just as a comparison, you know, when Njoku came out, he was you know, 6'3 and 3 quarters, 246, and he ran a, ran a 4'6'3 at, at Pro Day and a 4'6'4 at the Combine. Like, if you're getting out of Hawkinson, you're going to be thrilled. And, and obviously the other tests matter with that, but specifically talking for you. If he's 4-5-5, you know, shut it down. He, he ain't getting out of the top ten. No. And I'm starting to, and you guys know this, I'm starting to think more and more that he will not be an option at 17. Ed Oliver, gun to your head. He weighs what when he shows up to Indy? I think he's going to hit 280, and, and just like Carla Murray, I think it's going to be a bunch of bullshit water weight. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and to explain, especially with quarterbacks, uh, you know, to to sort of rig the system on this, a lot of quarterbacks uh, will just drink a ton of water, come in heavier to look, you know, get thick on the scale, you know, get rid of those questions about weight. Uh, and then obviously drop that, you know, it's not real weight. So they drop it and then get back to really training. But like some of these guys or, you know, it's like, and, and you have the other side of this, Jameis Winston lost weight for the combine and then <laughs> put it back on afterwards. I think Ed Oliver is going to have some help weight to make sure he hits that 280 mark. Uh, maybe even 285 and and make everybody you know have that sigh of relief that he's not in the 270s uh but we shall see 
did, you know, and then you run into that situation where you have guys who, uh, who, who over oversaturate their system with water so much, and then they get in the uh, drug testing thing, and then it looks like they're they're trying to uh, clean out the system for that. Yes, the old dilution method. Um, guys, read Pete Smith's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Uh, the Locked On Browns uh, Twitter account. We always keep it follow back. You know that. So you know, go ahead and throw a follow over there. It will follow back. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. We've done the linebacker position here today. Obviously, you know, we have some fun. Talk about, you know, a little AAF. You know, poor Pete. Last update. The Irons. Is it getting together? Is it getting better? They are up 9-3 to three behind the arm, and, uh, arm of Luis Perez and the uh, slow plotting Trent Richardson, who managed to find his way in the end zone. Oh, Trent Richardson. There you go, guys. Uh, he'll be back soon to a backfield <laughs> near you in Canada. That's the way that's going to work. But, guys, uh, always appreciate um, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. We're going to get through to the defensive backs. We're going to get through the defensive line. We'll get to that offensive line one as well. Um, Jeff Risden is coming on this week here. We're going to close up the month strong. Uh, March, obviously, the momentum will start to pick up once we get into trade season and legal tampering and free agency and some new names coming out of the fold. And then, obviously, you know, we'll take us through into April draft 110%. Um, always appreciate you guys, you know, the daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>